Yes, good morning to each and every one of you, and I'd also like to greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We've had much uh, food for thought already, um, lots of things to ponder, and uh, lots of things that we have shared um, with one another. So, um, today, I don't know, I went back and found a message that I had five, six years ago. I was working on some and I wanted to print it off and my printer was out of ink and it didn't work and so I searched back in a drawer and pulled something out from 2016. So if you don't mind, I'm going to reshare something from five years ago. You may remember, you may not. I often thought, thought, think, thought of that already like so. If you ever repeat something or would repeat a sermon, would the people even notice or would they not? Is that okay or is it not? But anyways, I think it kind of goes good with what we've heard today. So I'm going to be reading, reading the first several verses of 1 John, 1 John, or I mean just John, not, first, not 1 John, but 1 John. And William started out with verses 15 through 18 about seeing God and um, about his fullness. And so how do we, how do we seek God? and find more of the fullness of God in all that. <clears throat> and in what we were sharing and what we read about, you know, David um, sitting there and, and recognizing and acknowledging this, like, here's the tabernacle of the Lord. Here's where God was dwelling for them at that time. And, uh, you know, as the as the Ark of the Covenant had traveled with them through their battles and stuff, they would they would win. You know, when it was neglected, they would not win. And uh, he was sitting in his house there that day, and and uh, it came to him that this is not right. I live in this big, beautiful home made of cedar, and actually the place where my God that I serve is staying. You know, is uh, is in a tent, is in this low structure or whatever and we was instructed this morning too you know that uh, um, the fullness of God um, and the fullness of his temple we are the temple of the living God um, is my God is my temple just a tent or is it a mansion is it built with gold and silver and all the fine things and abundance of abundances. And I know that there's a lot of, lots of parallels can be made in, in, in these areas, you know. Uh, not just, I'm not thinking about uh, physical aspects of gold and silver, but we know that in the house of God, there's abundance of grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. And, um, you know, and he talks to us, he speaks to us, he shows us just like, so he went through um, the prophet back then and told David what he was supposed to do and to share and how he was supposed to instruct. Um, and today we have, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the comforter that he said would come and that would abide with us and abode with us and teach us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Um, where, does, where do we get that? Um, where do we find you know, God's heart for his people um, except from his word? And so this message was titled, The Voice of God. Um, do we hear the voice of God and how do we hear the voice of God? So maybe how can this all tie in to helping us um, experience, helping us to live more in the fullness of what God would have us to live, um, what God would have us to be, I think we first must know what He is, what He is telling us. What is He? What is He wanting um, from us and for us? And so, um, I don't know. Um, I just had the inspiration, I guess, that uh, with this is. A song that we used to sing as a as a rally song. I don't know if it was a rally song. Nobody named it that way, 
but I'm going to call it that because I felt like it it was uh, it was in the day that we learned it and that we sang it a lot, and so um, I would just I guess I would just like to start with that. Let's let's turn to song 873 and let's all stand and sing this song. I guess let's just let this be my my opening. <clears throat> I don't know if I can get the tune quite right or not. I'm trying to remember it, but we'll give it a try, and if not, we can correct it here. So, Lord, give us a vision. <clears throat> Lord, give us a vision of souls gone astray. Out on the cold mountains of sin. Help us to be working while yet it is day. For soon the judgment will begin. Lord, give us a vision, we lost souls, we pray. Help us thy call to obey. Come into our heart and make it anew. Lord, give us a vision today. The harvest is great and the labors are few. The harvest time soon will be o'er. The Master is calling to me and to you. Go work and be idle no more. Lord, give us a vision of lost souls, we pray. Help us thy call to obey. Come into our heart and make it anew. Lord, give us a vision today. Lord, give us a vision of work to be done, of duties neglected each day. Renew our lost vision of souls to be one. Lord, give us a vision, we pray. Lord, give us a vision, we lost souls, we pray. Help us, thy call to obey. Come into our heart and make it anew. Lord, give us a vision today. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> may that inspire us in days to come. Maybe sometimes we get dragged down, but that Lord just reach out and give us a, a new look, a new vision on life. <clears throat> so, in, one, in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but, he was, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which, light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. 
and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. <clears throat> and that was my reading of scriptures with, that goes with the message today. <clears throat> so, um, this shows us that the word of God, in, in verse 1, in the very one, that the beginning was a word, the beginning, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So, the word, you know, is a... Uh, is how God wants to communicate with us. It's a medium. It's a medium in which thoughts are expressed. <clears throat> God is forever seeking to speak with his people, to speak about himself, and to share himself um, ever since throughout all his creation. He's, he's doing that. And the Bible supports this idea. The, the Bible is full of the tr uh, is truth that God is speaking there's a difference between if, if we thought, we look at this book and we say, oh, that's what God said. He spoke. And then it's passed. It's done. It's over with. Is that the way it is? No. I think he is still speaking. It's still current. It's present. It's not just something that is laid over here. Yeah, God said that in his past. There's a difference, and it'll make a difference in our lives, how we view that and how we hear that, you know. And, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to bring out all, all the references. I had lots of them. <clears throat> um, We go back, well, let's just, just take our thoughts back in the, in the beginning, in the garden. When he came to mankind, it said it was cool, and it was, the, in, it was in the morning, and it says they heard the Lord God speaking. They heard the Lord God talking to Adam. Where art thou? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, they heard the voice of the Lord Walking, it says they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. First Peter 1, verse uh, 25. Well, I'm going to read verse 23. It says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. How is that possible? It's because it says, The word of the Lord, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass, and the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But verse 25, And but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This is how we know what God is telling us. It is, it is again, the, the means of communicating, of God communicating with us. He has it written, and he has given us to the Holy Spirit to continue to speak and be speaking to us. Not that he has just once spoken. <clears throat> um, the word of the Lord endureth forever. It's something that will, will always be there. And that is how that we hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I'm also going to reach out or use some of, uh, which I haven't in a while, um, A.W. Tozer's uh, writings. Um, so A.W. Tozer says this about 1 John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He says an intelligent, plain man, someone that has some intelligence, that would be untaught in truth of Christianity, would know any, wouldn't know anything about the Bible, if he would come across this verse, come across this text, he would likely to be able to conclude that John meant to teach that it is the nature of God to speak and to communicate his thoughts unto others, and he would be right. That the word is a medium by which thoughts are expressed and the application of the term to the external son leads us to believe that the self-expression is inherent 
to the Godhead. God is forever seeking to speak to his, God is forever seeking to speak himself out of his creation. The whole Bible supports this idea that God is speaking, not that God has spoken, but that he's speaking. He fills the world, he fills the world with his speaking voice. <clears throat> You know, and, and when we go back into Genesis, um, we have that we have it there where it says he spoke. You know, by the word he spoke and it was done. He spoke and it was created. He spoke things into existence. <clears throat> and that creation that he created by speaking it into existence is still speaking to us today. There's, there's no one will come to the end of time and say that I had no opportunity or no chance or nothing ever showed me that there is a God. Because nature itself would teach you that. that it, it, out of the creation, man will be without excuse in saying that there is no God. <clears throat> and, and this word that he spoke which brought all the world into being, cannot be understood to mean just the Bible, for it, for it is not a written or printed word, but the expression of the will of God, spoken into, into the structure of all things. You know, he, he spoke into the structure because he knew you um, before you was in your mother's room, womb and while you was in your mother's womb, and he knows every aspect about you today because he also spoke and you were you could say created, you were born. The voice of God is the most powerful force in nature. Indeed, the only force in nature for all the energy is here only because of the power-filled word is being spoken. I'll just read a little bit more that Tozer has here. So it says, The Bible is the written word of God, and because it is written, it is confined and it is limited, you could say, by necessity of ink and paper and pen to what we have here. It's confined to that. But the voice of God is, however, is alive, it's free, it's sovereigner, and it has no limits. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life, he tells us. The life is in the speaking words of God that he has written to us or given to us and preserved for us over all these years when, when the skeptics and who not all have tried to destroy it and put it away in the Bible and can have power only because it represents or it corresponds of what God had said and spoke in the universe. And it is his present voice which makes this written word powerful. Otherwise it would be Lot, it would be locked, it, it would be with a slumber, as he says, a slumber in the covers of a book. That's all it would be. Okay, let's look at other scriptural references of how the, this, how the spoken word comes. <clears throat> um, Let's see, 1 Kings 19, uh, the story of, of Elijah. Elijah was running from Jezebel. Ahab told, uh, told Jezebel what all that Elijah had done. And uh, Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah there saying, she said, so let the gods be. Let the gods do to me, and more also, if I, not make, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. You know, it's like she threatened him that she was going to kill him. And Elijah, out of fear, fled. And he went to that cave. Um, so we can read it in 1 Kings 19. Um, let's uh, start in verse 11, I think it is. Well, verse 10 we see that, um, that Elijah was, uh, you know, shriveling up. He was scared. Um, he, he said, uh, and he said, I have been a very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel 
have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down thy altars. They've slain thy prophets with the sword. And he says, I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. What does that sound like? Only I, only me. It's only, you know, the, the selfishness that was there, the self-preservation that was there, or whatever, however you want, there's hundreds of words to use there. But, you know, that, that was his plea, and he, he, was, he said that to God. Okay, now we see um, just an example of God speaking to him, and maybe different aspects of the way he, way he spoke. But I think this is one of the better ones you could say that sometimes we need to hearken unto. <clears throat> And verse 11, he said, and, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Imagine that. Wind strong enough to tear through a mountain and smash rocks into pieces. But it says the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there came an earthquake. But the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. You know, we have the verse up here on the wall. It was, I guess, it's setting over there still. I think that goes with that, one of the, one of the Psalms. The speaking voice of God <clears throat> um, may still be in that still small voice. We live in a busy and a very... Um, um, loud world, you know. Um, I know with my lack of words here, I guess, <clears throat> that, that we, uh, a noisy world, I guess. Lots of things. Lots of things clamoring for attention. Lots of things um, bombarding us with, uh, with, uh, with news and with what, what have you. And uh, it drowns out that it may drown out, and it can drown out, I should say. It don't have to drown out the voice of God, the, the speaking voice that, that we can hear. <clears throat> Turn to Psalms 29. <clears throat> Read a few verses here. He tells us here to give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. Then he starts out in verse 3 and he says, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syria, like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf, and discovers the forest in his temple. Doth everyone speak of his glory? The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. But we see that that you know that it's a mighty voice, it's a strong voice. It's in it's in all those aspects that that we read about there. Um, you know that God's voice is there. Psalms 95. There's lots of lots of psalms that have um, that speak of God's voice. This is what's happening. You know, this is. Uh, a good uh, psalms you could say we we hear this thing we hear this verse uh, lots of times we've heard it many many times in our life and yet it's what it, it's what can happen today um, 
I, I like this verse, like verse 6 says, O come, let us worship, let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, the question is there. He said, today, if you will hear His voice, let's not let all these things drown it out. It says, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. <clears throat> You know, it's a, it, was a, it was a glorious voice. The things that he's offering us there and that he's giving us, it says if you will hear his voice today, you know, do we hear it? There's a tendency for man um, to want to not hear what God has to say, to harden his heart against reality, what God is actually telling him. <clears throat> Matthew 17, verse 5, you know, told us that the, the voice of God came, you know, from the cloud. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We can turn to Hebrews um, chapter 12. Which I think we just went through Hebrews through the last Sunday school thing. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. And then verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. This is a speaking God. For if we escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall, we, shall, shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. And whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heavens. Heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of things that were shaken, as those things that are made, of things that are, that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. So, if, you know, let's, let's hear that. Um, the voice is shook the earth, See that we refuse not him that is speaking. Not that he is, you know, that he continues to speak. That we refuse, we don't refuse to hear that. <clears throat> we know the verse where it says the word of God is quick. It's powerful, you know. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it can cut, it can separate. The speaking word of God can separate bone and marrow. It made things that were chaos. It can make they become something. You know the chaos that was that was out there to start out with when God spoke things into existence. You know there became an order to it. You know the darkness heard it, and He said, "Let there be light," and it was there. God spoke it, and it was so. Th those those elements of cause and effect or spoken word. And it happening that occurred or took, you know, took place, you could say, throughout Genesis and the story of creation. Um, it continues to present day. God is here. He is speaking. Um, these truths are simply Bible truths. Without them, there would be no revelation at all. God did not write a book and send it by a messenger to be read at a distance by unaided minds. He spoke a book. And he lives in those sp spoken words, and he con constantly is speaking his words and causing the power of them to persist across all the years. You know, God breathed on a clump of clay, and it became a man. He will again breathe on man, and it returns to a clump of clay. He says, Return, ye children of men, was the word spoken at the fall by which God decreed the death of every man, and no added words has he had to speak since. This procession of mankind, the sad procession of mankind across the face of the earth, from birth to the grave, is proof that his original word that he's spoken still exists. And he continues to speak. It's evidence. God said, Dust thou art, and dust shalt thou return. And never repeated it.
He also breathed into man, and he became a living soul. And you know what John writes about there in in uh, that we read that he was the light of life, or that he was the light of man. Um, it was a true light which lighteth. It says, "Every man that cometh into the world, um, <clears throat> the you know, the word of God affects." The hearts of all men, just like light that comes into our, the, 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 as light in, in our souls. As that light shines in, as the word of God uh, sounds, there's no escaping that. I'm going to go back to John, the book of John here. We're going to go through several more verses. Um, I don't know if I have these all in the right order anymore, but John chapter 12, verse uh, 28, uh, 29, and 30. <clears throat> this speaking voice that we, that we are sharing about says, Father, glorify thy name. Then came down, then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said that it thundered. Others said there was an angel that spoke unto them. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but it came for your sake. He let them know that, that the voice didn't come to prove who, who he was, but it came, for their, it came for their sake. And that voice came from heaven. <clears throat> the voice from heaven for our sake. Uh, John chapter 3. Go back. He was talking about the bride and the bridegroom here in verse 20. 29 we know that the rep, the you know the the connection of that of Jesus being our um, being our bridegroom it says he that hath the bride is the bridegroom but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice this my joy therefore is fulfilled so there's joy in hearing the bridegroom's voice <clears throat> John 10 verse 4 talking about the sheep it says and when he putteth forth his own sheep he goeth before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice as example of Jesus Christ, do we know his voice? And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. So do we know his voice is the question I'd put down. John 18. Verse 37. This is a, this is a very good verse to remember. This is when... Uh, Jesus was on trial, and uh, he was before Pilate. And Pilate is questioning him, him out there. And Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou king? Art thou king then? And here's what Jesus' answer was to that. He said, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth, Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. <clears throat> you know, Pilate's questioning him. If we are of the truth, Jesus is telling us there in that verse, then we can hear his voice. Acts chapter 9.
We read of the story of Saul. Saul heard the voice of God, did he not? And, you know, he was, in the first couple of verses there, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, he went into the high priest and desired of him a letter to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, which was means followers of Christ, whether they were men or women, that he would bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, Damascus, and suddenly there was shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice, saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul at that time, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling, astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. <clears throat> so we can see that as Paul you know, confessed, he was the chiefest of sinners as he, and when he went through life, that the voice of the Lord is for all sinners, is for all men. He came to him there, and you know, he desired Paul to serve him, or Saul that became Paul. But verse 4, And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And we know that, that he heeded that call also. In, in uh, Proverbs a lot, it talks about the voice of God. It portraits it as being wisdom. It's a parallel of, of wisdom. Um, in the ancient Hebrews, that's what they called it. The voice of God, they called it wisdom. And, and they, they describe it as being um, everywhere, sounding, searching throughout the earth, seeking some response from the sons of men. Um, the, in the eighth chapter of Proverbs, I think, is where it starts. Um, doth, doth not wisdom cry out, and understanding put forth her voice? And he, picture, he pictures this wisdom as a beautiful woman standing in the top of a high place by the way of a, a path, she sounds her voice from every quarter so that no one coming into that area would miss it. It says, Unto you, O men, I call. My voice is to the sons of men. Then she pleads for the simple and the foolish to give an ear to that, to listen to it, to give an ear to the words. And this is a, you know, this is a spiritual response, you could say, uh, which, uh, for which was wisdom, which the wisdom of God is pleading for. A response in which um, she has always sought and is but rarely able to secure. The tragedy is that our eternal welfare, welfare depends upon our hearing. And we have trained our ears somewhat not to hear that voice of God. I think I read that. that what, okay, so I'm going to read another part of, of Tozer's here. It says, This universal voice has ever sounded out, and it has often troubled men, even when they did not understand the source of their fears. Could it be that this voice distilling like a living mist upon the hearts of men has been the undiscovered cause of the troubled conscience and the longing for immortality confessed by millions since the dawn of recorded history? We need not to fear to face up to this speaking voice is a fact. How men have reacted to it is for any observer to take note. When God spoke out of heaven to our Lord, when God spoke out of heaven to our Lord, self-centered men who heard it explained it as a natural expression. You know, was it thunder? What did we hear? That's that's what they would the people that was even around Paul it says, Oh, it thundered. This habit of explaining this voice by appeals to nature, natural law is at the very root of our modern-day science. In our living and breathing cosmos, there is a myst mysterious something too wonderful 
too awful for any mind to understand it. The bleeding man does not claim to understand, but he would fall to his knees and whisper, God. The man of the earth will kneel also, but not to worship. He kneels to examine, to search, and to find the cause of how, how things just now happen to be, just now we happen to be living in this secular age. Our thought habits are those of the scientist and not those of being a worshiper. We are more likely to try to explain than to simply adore the fact that some said it thundered. We exclaim and we will go on our earthly way, but still the voice sounds and searches. The order of life of this world depends upon that voice, but men are mostly too busy or too stubborn to give it attention. Everyone has had somewhat an experience, um, some place or time, I think, you know, that you just couldn't explain it. How did it happen? How did it take place? Um, maybe it was a feeling of loneliness. Maybe it was a feeling of wonder or awe in the face of our, the big world that we live in, you could say. Um, maybe it was just a, a glimpse of light. All of a sudden, you know, like a visitation of light. Just given to us as a quick flash of assurance, of assurance that we are really not made for this world. That our origins are divine. And that you know, what we saw, what we felt, what we heard would be contrary to all that we have ever been taught. Any place, you know. We were forced to suspend our doubts while for a moment the clouds were rolled back and we saw and heard for ourselves. You know, explain such things. We can't. That simply you could just say, you was in the presence of God. You was in the presence of God. And he wants to communicate with us, you know, um, <clears throat> in that way. Be still and know that I am God. If we turn to Revelations chapter 3. We know that John was exiled on that island. And uh, he was given revelation. He was given a vision. He was given um, inspiration. He was told to write what, what God spoke to him or give him. Um, through an angel there. <clears throat> chapter 1. Wrong chapter, sorry. <clears throat> you know, the voice of God is, is, a, is a friendly voice. We don't need to fear to hear it. Unless you already made up your mind that you're going to resist anything that God tells you. Um, <clears throat> because the blood of Jesus Christ has covered not only the entire human race, but everything that was in his creation. Um, if we have made peace through his blood on the cross, if we are reconciled back to him, unto himself, by him, um, I don't know have this reference, it says, but having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile things unto himself by him, I say, whether there be things in heaven, whether there be things in earth, we may safely um, say that heaven as well as the earth are filled with the goodwill of him because of the perfect blood atonement that was made for us. I missed something there, but I'll let it. Anyway, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, I think, says that, um, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. And to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my, in my throne, even as I, I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
So there's many references where it says, he that has an ear to let him hear. So obviously, if that's re referenced there, there must be something, something being said, right? There must something being spoken. Why would he tell us if we have an ear to hear, let us hear, if there's nothing being spoken? So there is a, there is a spoken word. There's, there's God is continuing to speak. <clears throat> it, and if, when it said, where it says, if any man hear his voice, that's not past. That's in the present. That's giving us the opportunity. That's telling us that if any man hear my voice, this is a present tense. It's not just written and then heard of something in the past. And the promise that follows that, was it, what was the promise that followed that? What was the promise that followed that? If any man hear my voice and open the door, the promise that followed that says, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. <clears throat> There's a few more paragraphs I wanted to read here from Tozer's writings, I guess. <clears throat> Whoever will listen will hear the speaking of the heavens to him. This is definitely not the hour when men take kindly to an exhortation to listen. For listening is not something that is very popular. It's not a part of our popular religion today. We are not wanting to just sit and listen. We are at the opposite end of that pole. We are at the point where we are at a place where religion has accepted I'm just reading what Tozer has, has written here. Religion has accepted the monstrosis heresy that noise, size, activity, and the bluster and bluster can make a man dear to God. But we may take heart to the people caught in this movement or this temptus of the last great conflict that God says, that God still says, be still and know that I am God. And still he says it as if he means to tell us that our strength and safety will lie not in much noise, but in silence. It's important that we get still and that we wait on God, and it's best that we would get alone, preferably with our Bible outspread before us. Then we will, then we will and we may draw near unto God and begin to hear him speak to us and to our hearts. I think for the average person, the progression will be something like this, and he gives an example. First, we hear the sound of the presence of God like he was walking in the garden. That's the very beginning of the Bible. Then we hear a voice, more intelligible, intelligible, but still it's far from being clear. Like we're wondering, what's he saying? And then the happy moment when the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comes and begins to illuminate the scriptures, that which had been only a sound or at best just a voice, or something that we read, now becomes an intelligible word, word. It becomes warm, it becomes intimate, it becomes clear as the word of a dear friend. Then will come life, and with that life will come light. And best of all, will come the ability to see and to rest in and embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord of all. The Bible will never be a living book to us until we are convinced that God is articulate in his universe. To jump from a dead, impersonal word world to a dogmatic Bible is too much for most people. They may admit that they should accept the Bible as the word of God. They may try to think of it as such, but they find it impossible to believe that the words on this page that we have here are actually meant for me, are actually meant for them. A man can say, a man may say, these words are addressed to me, and yet in his heart he may not feel anything, even though that he knows that they are. He is the victim of a divided psychology. He tries to think of God as mute everywhere else and would only be vocal in this book. And I believe that much of our religious unbelief is due to this wrong conception and of the wrong feeling for the scriptures of truth. That a silent God would suddenly begin to speak in a book 
when the book was finished, back into and lapsed back into silence again forever. Like like he was speaking, so we have so he we have the book, and now since we have the book and his word, boom, he's quiet. He won't say anything anymore. <clears throat> now we read the book as the record of what God said when he was for a brief time in a speaking mood, starting in Genesis, with notions of of that like in our heads, how can we even believe? The facts are that God is not silent, has never been silent. It is the nature of God to speak. The second person of the Holy Trinity is called the Word. The Bible is an inevitable outcome of God's continuous speaking. It is the infallible declaration of His mind for us and put it into familiar human words for us to read. The when we approach the Bible with the idea that it is not only a book which was once spoken, but it's a book which is continuing to speak. You know, the prophet, the old prophets simply said, thus saith the Lord. That meant their hearers, they meant for their hearers to understand that God is speaking in the present. Thus saith the Lord. We may use the past tense properly to indicate a certain time or place where the word of God was spoken. But the word of God, once spoken, it will continue to be spoken. Just as a child that was once born will continue to live, or a world that once was created will continue to exist. That's not a very good illustration, you could say, an example, as imperfect as it is, for our children do die, and this world at some point in time is going to burn, but it does tell us that the word of God endures forever. It's more than just a thing, it's a voice, it's a word, and it's the very word of our living God. A little thought in the back here, um, I want to read off. <clears throat> so help us, help me and help maybe each and every one of us. Um, it says, Lord, teach me to listen. The times we live in are noisy. My ears are weary with a thousand different sounds which continuously assault them. Give, them, give me the spirit of thy boy Samuel when he sa simply said, as that example, I was going to bring that and I forgot about it, where he said, speak, thy servant hears. Let me hear that speaking of that word in my heart. Let me get used to the sound of it. Let me get used to the sound of thy voice, that the tone of it may be familiar. When the sounds of all this earth will die away and the only sound will be the music of thy speaking voice from your word. I'm open for sharing your testimony. <clears throat> I didn't maybe complete every thought, every aspect of what I wanted to bring out today, but I pray you be blessed that it was not my word, but the word of God. <clears throat>